Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's nice to see you again, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back. Congratulations. You're used to that sort of thing now. Have you, got, have you gotten jaundiced with your success? Not yet. How many dates since we last saw you? Oh, since last time we were here, we've probably done about 400 shows. Did you win any awards along the way? Uh, we went back to Canada and won uh, the Canadian equivalent to uh, the uh, Oscars or Emmys or something. But we won about seven of them for Best Band, Best well, Juno, Award. Juno Awards. Yeah. Well, the Juno Award is like our Grammy or American Music Award or whatever. How do the Canadians feel about you now? Canadians love us. Are they really? I mean, sometimes Canadian artists, when they achieve worldwide success like you guys, you guys have gotten, they turn you off at home. It hasn't happened? Not at all, no. They, they love us. We just did a tour up there, and it was sold out everywhere. In a word, capsulize your experience with people like, uh, what, Kansas Foreigner. You're headlining, in a, uh, headlining on your own now. Do you learn from the other guys? We learned a lot from them. ZZ Top was our biggest teachers. Really? Why? Uh, the way they work in the audience, the way they work, big stage, they really relax and they slow down. And they're funny, too. They're real funny. Is your head in good shape? I think so. I got, no. I got this headband on just to keep it, to keep it down. It's not getting any bigger? I got one for you, too. I'll give it to you after the show. When you first came here, we said good things because everybody said you were going to be great. To what do you attribute your success? Why, why are you hot? I guess just all the hard work and sweat, I guess. You know, we play every night. And you're really the same now? Yeah. Pretty Sounds much. like a fan magazine question, but I know it is. <laughs> Plus, we got lucky. <laughs> this is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Okay, Hollywood, it's the end of the month, which brings us to, well, you saw it in the title, Loverboy's third studio album, Keep It Up. I think this was one of my picks, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to get into all things Loverboy, and just like we do on every one of these album series episodes, we got to bring in a special guest who will help mediate our disagreements, so to speak. And this month, we have a returning guest of the show. Tony Musalem from the band Restrain. Tony, what's going on, brother? What's happening, gents? Good to see you guys. And yes, the voice of reason and mediate, because uh, I already figured out that you picked this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me tell you how this one happened. So I text Tony. I said, uh, I got a couple of choices. He goes, you, 
do you have other choices? I go, well, there's two that haven't been decided yet that the listeners are going to decide. He goes, I'll take Loverboy. (laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, I picked this one because of the choices. I was least familiar with this one. Oh, there you go. I knew the other one pretty well, and I knew I liked that record. So I picked this one because I didn't really know much aside from two songs. So. Right. So as we're doing this entire year in 2023, we're visiting albums that are celebrating their 40th anniversary. And Loverboys Keep It Up is the follow up to their uh, multi-platinum Get Lucky. And, you know, Loverboy was one of those bands growing up for me personally, where the name just brings ridicule by all your friends. What? You're a Loverboy fan? Are you kidding me? But for me, I mean, it sort of bridged the gap in between pop and hard rock during the early 80s for me because I was coming out of the, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s as a pop fan. But I also liked guitar oriented rock and roll that was starting to make its way onto the airwaves. So Loverboy kind of bridged that gap for me. And yeah, the name is a bit cheesy, but they had some really rocking tunes, especially on those first two albums. So, you know, before we go too far into this, though, we're going to do a Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Crank me up! Me. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Well, before I uh, talk about that, uh, congrats on 300 episodes, guys. Uh, it's, Thanks, uh, I can't man. believe you guys are together all this time. I mean, it's longer than most uh, relationships I've been in. So, uh, kudos, one, guys. Right? kudos. Uh, all but one is very true. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how this oh, wait, one goes. Me um, too. Oh, yeah. You too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's facts. All right. So, uh, for the Crank It Up Spotlight, uh, we're going to talk about a song from Restrain's newest record, Restrain 2. It's the fourth track, I think, on the record. It's called Uprising Fury. Can you tell, by the way, who influenced this song? Can you tell? Yes. Did you pick it up? Yes. Yeah. Jo- Johnny was uh, listening to a lot of uh, Judas Priest at the time. So um, that's how the riff came about. Uprising Fury, that title, he was just kind of making noise, kind of coming up with just melodies and sounded like that's what he said. So I went with it and then I wrote the lyrics around that. That's it. Uh, so Johnny wrote the music. I wrote the lyrics and melodies as usual. I did the solo on this one and uh, short but sweet. Is it Johnny that's singing this tune? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. John, Johnny sings. Actually, Johnny sings all of the songs on this new record. I didn't do any lead vocals on this one. Okay. Well, listen yeah. out for this high note in this tune because <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty on up there. I'm sure there might be a little recording magic involved, but no, he let's get that. to it. <laughs> Check it out.
Okay, so I heard a little priest, but I actually heard more Queensryche. So I was going to say it was Restrained Reich. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was going to call it. Really? Yeah, that earworm okay. note. I think it, part of it's the earworm no, note. I guess you could call it Halford, but you could easily call it Jeff Tate. Then the revolution calling thing comes up every once in a while. So it's like, well, that is a little more Queensryche than it is Priest. And then just kind of the feel of it. Dude, I can pick out your solos a mile away. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Tony did that solo. I've heard that solo 80 yeah. times. What the hell? <laughs> but the chess pieces on the cover. Do you even know how to play chess? <laughs> Not well. I mean, I play chess like I play golf, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the album cover reminds me of the... um uh europe record what's that uh europe record oh it's not the that. king's kings. one the king, yeah, kings. that's it yeah, yeah. Mm, i didn't even think about that it does remind me of that a little bit so when i heard this song for the first time instantaneously i associated it with priest and it might be the the scream that screen is very reminiscent of of priest so uh once i heard that and then started tying in the riffs and stuff Queensryche, you know, Queensryche was influenced by Priest, especially on the earlier Queensryche. So that that's not a surprise comparison either. But uh, I like the tune. That's a good tune. Yeah, it's a good tune. First song you guys have done where you say the title first. I don't remember that happening in another song. Well, you are that guy. Yeah, that's probably correct. Yeah. I usually don't put the title of the chorus like the yeah the title of the song in the beginning. Yeah. Usually it's in the chorus. Ah, facts. Yeah, I'm that guy. That's that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> you're that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. No, I like the tune too. I like the you know you guys kind of did an EP type of thing, right? Which mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's weird mm-hmm. to call your third album two, but you know whatever. It's our second EP. Okay, I'll go over it again. <laughs> it's called two because it's our second five song EP, and there was only two of us left when we recorded this. We lost our drummer and bass player during COVID, and so Johnny and I, instead of just sitting on our asses doing nothing we continued to write and record. So since we had all these things recorded, we just said, hey, might as well just put them out. And so that's where it came from. Yeah. And Stephen, you, you haven't seen Johnny live and, you know, seen him in rehearsals and blah, blah, and gotten a couple opportunities. Johnny's that guy. He can't think about it like that note that he's hitting. He can't think about it. Just got to do it. Like it's got to come from nowhere. And it literally looks like it comes from nowhere when you see it live. But if he thinks about it too much, I think it gets in his own head and then he can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So to the listener, that was restrained from Sacramento. Tony's the guitar player in the band. We've had Tony on many, many times. Go back to episode, I don't know, five or something of the Grown Up Rock podcast, and we do a whole episode on restrained at the time. But the intro uh, little tidbits of music that you hear here and there uh, throughout the Grown Up Rock podcast, those are bits and pieces of restrained music as well. So if you're digging on that tune, please go seek out Restrained. We'll have a link in the show notes where you can pick up all the music from Restrained. Yeah, if you like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That's us, yeah. Bits and pieces. I've got a couple of clips where I I, uh, I cut out like the dual solo, right? That yeah, little, little, yeah. Little, right? Just like just yeah, the end of it, it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, it's all sped up too. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> We're shredders. <laughs> Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, so let's get on with the album review for Lover Boys Keep It Up. 
All right, so we'll go through some basic facts about the album. Album was released June 30th, 1983. It was recorded at Mushroom Studios, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Length of the album is 38, 32. The label was Columbia Records. Producer was Bruce Fairburn and Paul Dean. Peaked at number seven on Billboard's Top 200, and it is certified double platinum. Tony, do you have any experience with Loverboy or this record in particular? So my entry point into Loverboy was back in junior high. The older kids would play the Get Lucky record all the time. And so I kind of was digging what I heard. So I got that Get Lucky record. I'm very familiar with that one. With this one, the only song I really knew when it came out was Queen of the Broken Hearts. That's the one I saw that video and I was like, this is the most awkward thing I've ever seen. But I, you know, well, I'll get to the song later. But that's that's what I saw first uh, back in Saudi. So, yeah. Sonny? Yeah, for me, I had heard some of the songs on MTV. So stuff like, you know, Turn Me Loose is the or the Kid Is Hot Tonight or Working for the Weekend. Like it was on MTV all the time. And I liked what I had heard. But it wasn't until 86 and kind of a weird place. It was at my senior ball. So I'm at the senior ball with this girl. And our senior ball song was This Could Be the Night. And I remember going, damn, that's a cool song. What is that song? Everybody else is dancing. I'm trying to figure out who the hell's doing this song. <laughs> I fall in love with Loverboy that night. That is one of my favorite songs of all time, right? So that made me kind of, oh, my God, those are the guys that do Loving Every Minute of It. Those are the guys that do Hot Girls in Love. I probably don't get this record to like early 90s when I'm going back and trying to like finish all my collection. Right. I got the greatest hits. I got those things first. And, you know, you're going to get the most current records first. But then when I'm going backwards in the early 90s trying to complete collections, that's when I really heard this record. You know, I heard it several times the last couple of weeks, and it took me right back to when I heard it the first times. I enjoyed it the first times. And to me, it stood up. But, you know, it can't be cool and like Loverboy, so whatever. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, so for me, I came in on Get Lucky. I got that record. I wore it out in high school. 
And then I went back like almost immediately once I dug that record and got the first record because I'd already known and like heard Turn Me Loose and the kid is hot tonight. So I just went back, got that first record. So I sort of got into the first record and get lucky almost at the same time. I was a Loverboy fan. Like I said, it's tough at that point telling people you're a Loverboy fan just because of the name. People want to ridicule you about the name and stuff like that. But they were really popular at that point in time. So uh, there was a lot of love for Loverboy going on as well. I saw them live on, I want to say this tour is the first tour that I saw them live on, which was uh, Keep It Up. But, you know, I mean, I dug them because they bridged that gap between pop music and rock. Like I was saying earlier, it was listening to FM radio growing up. There was a lot of pop on the radio, but I was also hearing bands like Boston and Van Halen and stuff like that. So I was really getting into the guitar heavy side of things. So this was a good uh, a good mixture of both for me. So let's talk about the album cover real quick a little bit. This album cover, it's another one of those album covers that we've talked about on this podcast before, where it's sort of the throwback to that one Beatles record. And, Meet the Beatles. Yeah. And the Elvis thing. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, you ate one, too. It's that just the headshots of the band. What are your thoughts on this album cover, Sonny? All right. So for, you know, not everybody who's listening to this is a deep Loverboy fan. So when you look at the cover, just to help you out. If you start, pretty much everybody knows what Mike Reno looks like. So if you start at Mike Reno and go clockwise, that is Mike, Doug, who is on keyboards, Matt's at the top, who's on drums. Then you get Paul at about two o'clock. That's the guitar player. And then you get the bass player, Scott, at the bottom right. So that's kind of how it goes. I mean, the covers, they're so serious. And Matt looks like he's ready to, like, kill somebody. So I, I don't exactly know what's going on with that. But <laughs> they, don't exactly like come off, yeah, they don't exactly come off as, like, nice guys next door kind of thing. They kind of look kind of serious. Don't look like lover boys. <laughs> That's true. That's for sure. <laughs> well, they just came off the album that had a song called Gangs in the Street. <laughs> yeah. I, Ooh. I don't know. And you know what? Uh, interesting tidbit, by the way, Scott, the bass player. So... He's been missing at sea for 23 years. What? Yeah. He was at the Golden Gate Bridge, fell off his sailboat, and they never found him. They pronounced him dead, but technically they have never found him. Yeah. Holy. I did not know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was the bass player. So, yeah. yeah, you just confirmed that. I mean, I've seen Mike Reno in interviews because apparently he was Mike Reno and he were best friends. That uh, guy was his best friend in the band. So. He talks about it often about losing his friend and stuff like that. And that happened uh, not in their prime, but that happened what like within the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Right. Oh, you said 23 years. Yeah. 23 years. So, yeah. yeah. Tony, this album cover, I mean, I guess it's better than like a zipper with a, you know, the hickory nuts. Right. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would. <sighs> What's the word I'm looking for here? Feature their mugshots. <laughs> If you're trying to sell records, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, they don't exactly look purdy, I guess, is what you're trying to say mm -hmm. here. Especially yeah. for, well, no, I guess for that time period, people were still not exactly glammed up yet. So, no, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Early it's not 80s. a bad album. Yeah. But I mean, the chicks dug them, right? Did they? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think so. I was I like think, 12. I don't know. I no, think the kidding. chicks, <laughs> I think the chicks dug this band, or at least Mike Reno. 
Well, the so. ballads that came later, like he was a crooner of the ballads, right? And yeah. stuff like, well, remember they did Almost Paradise. He did it with Ann Wilson. And that thing was, I think it was, a, it wasn't number one, but it was damn close. It was it wasn't, huge. Yeah. That was a great one. Yeah. Yeah. So they released three singles on this record. My recollection was Hot Girls in Love was the first single that they released. Uh, and then it was Hot Girls in Love and then Queen of the Broken Hearts. I never knew that they released Strike Zone as a single, but it says they did. So that was a single. That was a single, according to the fine folks at Wikipedia. So it was Strike Zone, Hot Girls in Love and Queen of the Broken Hearts were the singles. My guess is it was Hot Girls in Love, then Queen of the Broken Hearts. And then later on, they released Strike Zone. Either that or they released Strike Zone as the first single to rock radio because it was a heavier tune. And, you know, it might have done well at AOR radio, rock radio, but not at regular radio. And then they followed it up with the more poppy, like Hot Girls in Love and Queen of the Broken Hearts. But those were the three singles uh, the band consisted of. And it's the classic lineup, like he called off on the record. Mike Reno on vocals, Paul Dean on guitar, Doug Johnson keyboards, Scott Smith bass and Matt Fournette on drums that's it for the record pretty much all right we'll get to the tracks Okay, so the album starts with Hot Girls in Love. It did end up going to number 11 on the Billboard 100. It was the second single. Strike Zone was the first single, didn't chart. Now, Strike Zone was the first single, but it was the fourth one in a row that had not charted for Loverboy. So when it's over, did well in early 82, but between early 82 and the middle of 83, they did not have one charting single. So for them to release Hot Girls in Love second, and actually get some bang out of their buck, I don't know how many bands would have not recovered from four singles that don't chart after you got off to a hard start. But you got to admit, it's a catchy as hell chorus, and Tony, goddamn Mike can sing. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that, and that's it's a, this is a great way to start the record. Cool riff, catchy, just as all hell, like you said. And Mike does some interesting things with his voice on this one. Like, be careful where you touch. He yeah. does that little little squeaky thing and then deserves the best or whatever. The hell, that little growly <laughs> thing. What the hell is he doing? But the interesting thing to me about this one is Hot Girls in Love has nothing to do with the lyrics. Yeah, It's like they picked the title and then they wrote these lyrics and then they said, well, you can't say, you know, the hot girl's a slut. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> change it. So it had to, you know what I mean? It's, it feels a little forced on that one. The lyrics just don't make any sense. But who cares? It's a catchy song. And it's cool. And he does sing his ass off. So Steven in exactly what you're talking about. It's a perfect blend of like pop melody with a gritty riff and perfect use of synth. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's just catchy as hell. How do you hear songs like this and, and you're not singing it in the car? Uh, you talked about their them not having any success with four singles before Hot Girls in Love. That's because Get Lucky was such a massive record. 
that record did so well up front and probably as it was coming to the end of its life cycle they tried to release two or three songs that maybe didn't do that well and then they started off this campaign with another song in strike zone that didn't fail to chart so that's that's where that low point i think comes from and that's why i don't think you know the label really sweat it too much band might have been sweating it but i don't think the label probably was yeah all right so then the second song we get to strike zone and tony i think the reason this ends up being the first single is it look it sounds like a movie soundtrack thingy like they're trying to get into a movie and it feels like early 80s movie heavy synth soundtrack song super heavy synth on this face of the day i mean uh, strike zone <laughs> that riff is straight up face of the day come on now standing in the strike zone running with the pack are we standing or are we running what are we doing i'm confused i'm not confused already. it doesn't all have to make sense nothing makes sense on this record okay none of the lyrics do so i guess i won't beat that dead horse anymore i've said it twice dude the keyboards on this song are brutal i'm shocked to hear that paul dean was one of the producers because the keyboards are overpowering everything like super super loud and i get it early 80s it was that time new wave all that but for me listening to the record for the first time now about two months ago doesn't really work for me and it's just really distracting and not to shit on paul but that guitar solo is meh outro solo is decent but overall this song to me is pretty boring and it's just kind of meh for me Yeah, Stephen, if I had to guess, I think what's happening is Paul's got rock roots. You hear it in the solos, but then somebody talked him into, we're going to have to do this musical interlude with the synth or whatever. I didn't really need it, but somebody thought they did. So I'll tell you what. Well, we know we know Paul has classic rock roots, right? We I interviewed Paul way back when, and he talked about seeing Hendrix live, right? So that's how far back his roots go. I've never felt like Paul Dean was a great solo player because think about it. He's coming out at a time where Eddie Van Halen is king, right? And you got guys like Eddie that's emerged and Randy Rhodes and the shape and sound of rock guitar is changing at this point in time, 82, 83. I mean, that's, uh, it's changing. Uh, it's changed by this time. So I've never felt like Paul Dean was a great solo player. He's got some great riffs. I think he can write some good songs. I absolutely love Strike Zone because. Shocker. Yeah. Well, for me, <laughs> look, for me, that riff is super heavy and mm. the keyboard intro, the slow thing, the, the drudging thing at the beginning, 
to me, that just kind of builds into that heavy riff. So it makes that riff, I think, come off even heavier than it actually is. Yeah, I hear the keyboards that are intertwined throughout the song and stuff like that. But this is the kind of song for me that I was talking about earlier that bridge that gap from pop to rock. And that's a hard rock riff. I mean, that's a hard rock song. Strike Zone's a hard rock song. So I dig it. And one thing I'll bring up is from this album on, they have this uh, pattern where the second song on an album is sort of a heavy riff. The next album after this uh, has Steal the Thunder on it, the same exact thing, like this build with this heavy riff. I mean, I dig this tune. Yeah, same exact thing. The song this meh. Same exact <laughs> i'm not saying that paul needs to be shredding on these songs okay he absolutely would not fit but i'm gonna say he ain't no neil gerardo no he's not you know what i'm saying no because those are memorable solos these are kind of space fillers for me most of them not to shit on them but i'm just saying so talking about space fillers the next song it's never easy i really like the pre-chorus on this song when it gets to the chorus, it doesn't even feel the transition's not even comfortable to me. So it feels like two songs jammed together to me. The pre-chorus was more than enough. You didn't even have to put the chorus in. I was not in love with this song, Tony. Yeah. Well, the first thing that got me was that brutal synth patch. Ha ha ha. Oh God. I mean, it was bad. It's a bad sound. Whoever thought that was a good sound is just should be put out to pasture. But um, again, like you said, the pre-chorus is really good. Typical 80s soundtrack sounding ballad, honestly, overall. And I thought it was really interesting that they went verse, pre, verse, pre, and then the chorus. Because it's not but that they good. Did that, <laughs> right. And they, did, and, and they didn't help by doing that weird little musical interlude getting into the chorus. Yeah. Oh, that was just, why is that there? Overall, I think this one's pretty good. I like this one. This one doesn't bother me. It's just a typical 80s ballad for me. to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh, man! I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? (laughs) 
It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Yeah, Stephen, I told you earlier, these guys wrote one of my favorite ballads. This ain't it. But I will say that Paul does a good job with the solo to me because you could have really Vinnie Vincent this up and really jacked it up. And Paul did a good job of being, well, restrained, I guess, lack for a better word. So, uh, Stephen, what do you think about this song? Yeah, I think Paul's playing usually matches the song. He plays to fit the song for the most part. Maybe he can't go beyond that or maybe he's just serves the song. For me, this song is kind of meh. I think this song is definitely more consistent of what, you know, a lot of the Loverboy sound is. This song comes a little too early in the record for me. You know, after a song like Strike Zone, I think that this slows down the record too much uh, for the third song. But also, it's just okay for me. It's not a great for these type of songs that Loverboy does. They have much better songs than this one. For sure. And I agree with you with the placement. Song three, this was not the right spot for this song. Nah. All right. So the next song is Chance of a Lifetime. And I don't remember even reacting to this when I got this record in the early 90s. But listening to it a couple of weeks ago and right at the beginning, the vocals running through the synth, I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'm like, this is not going to age well. But then you get the good guitar riff again and it becomes a little more rock. And then in the chorus, when they kind of mixed the synth vocal thingy with the real vocal thingy it wasn't bad it was okay so tony you didn't like the song i think those are the technical terms right the yeah i don't know yeah man starting out with that mr roboto voice <laughs> is, it took me straight back to the early 80s but like you said cool riff cool guitar riff i think the verse is cool the chorus is decent i think personally it could have could have benefited from some big backing vocals in the chorus otherwise i i like this one honestly
Stephen, my biggest problem with this song, besides the, you know, I was the uh-oh at the beginning, where I would have really liked the guitar solo, we got this, like, weird synth musical interlude. I'm not sure I needed that. Look, I think uh, at this point in time, Bruce Fairburn liked to use a lot of the samples that came from the Oberheim, uh, which was a newer piece of equipment at the time. So I think that's where a lot of those vocoder-type sounds come from but to me this song is just fun i mean it's it's very new sort of new wavy feeling uh they're using new technology on it to me you talked about earlier with strike zone this one feels like a movie soundtrack song to me and and we're going to talk about that more than once throughout this album because i think there's two or three songs on this record that definitely feel like uh, soundtrack songs but i like this song it's uh fun for me so then we flip the record over and the first song you get is queen of the broken hearts and tony if i was going to explain who Loverboy is to somebody this is Loverboy. that there is a lot of Loverboy songs that sound like this that's not a bad thing it's catchy it's memorable you can sing along it's easy to listen to it's got a great chorus there's not a whole hell of a lot wrong with songs like this because this is what Loverboy is to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I liked it the first time they did it when it was working for the weekend. Yeah, they just it, keep it, doing it, it over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is literally working for the weekend part deux, right? <laughs> uh, the keyboard and the drum patterns, very typical of 80s pop. The pre-chorus is super catchy. The chorus is catchy. I mean, everything's going pretty well. And then Mr. Roboto shows up again in the (laughs) the bridge. But overall, I really like this one. This one's actually, uh, like I said, it's the first song I heard from this record. So, and I remember watching the video and going, how does he sing with his mouth closed like that? I I was very, like, I didn't, I couldn't get it. But I really like this song a lot. This is, like you said, quintessential lover boy sound. Yeah. I think what I like, Stephen, about the Loverboy sound is it's upbeat. It's not a bunch of political bullshit songs. Like, they're pretty much just kind of fun, almost danceable type tunes. Yep. <laughs> Tony keeps referencing Roboto. Same year. Yeah. <laughs> same year. Right? Kilroy was here same year. But uh, there was a wise man that once said, if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. And two, why reinvent the wheel? So Loverboy took that to heart, right? They keep doing the same song over and over because it keeps working. And this song is no exception. Listen, this is a great song. They actually, uh, for a period of time, were opening up with this song in concert. So it's just a fun song. I like the cool vocal effect things. They're probably cheesy now, but at the time they weren't. And I still, to me, it's not cheesy. It's just fun. And this is one of those hummable tunes that you, uh, you keep singing. So good for them. So then we get to Prime Your Life, and Tony, like when the song starts, you're like, all right, crunchy guitar riff, you're about to get your ass kicked. 
and then here comes a synth to kind of calm it down. I'm not sure it's bad, though. I kind of like that it got kind of calmed down a little, because if it would have kept sped up, it was going to be end up like a Rocky montage type thing. Like, that's, I guess if you speed it up a little bit, you get the little Rocky montage and, you know, punching the cow or whatever the fuck he was doing in all those movies. You know, you just kind of whatever. <laughs> oh, the cow. Oh, the meat. Okay. Yeah. I was like, punching a cow. Uh, I thought maybe you got confused with Conan punching the camel, but um, no, this one. Yeah. It's, it's mid tempo, super repetitive, not really that bad, but just kind of meh for me. It really didn't do anything. It was just kind of there. I don't hate it. Don't love it. Steven, I thought they did an okay job in the middle of, okay, so now you're getting a little bit of that synth musical interlude, but it kind of mixed in and out with the guitar solo, and the guitar was loud in the mix, so it kind of worked for me. Yeah, any t- my notes are anytime I got Loverboy guitar, it was good. So <laughs> this song, you know, what's weird about this song is that the course is really pretty simple, but for whatever reason, it really works for me personally. I like this one as well, and I like the breakdown. I think the breakdown is really cool sort of in the in the middle with the the effects and stuff like that i kind of liked it i dug it so then we get to passion pit and tony uh, this is love hate for me so i think the verses are awesome i think the pre-chorus is awesome i think the chorus is absolutely forgettable and that little false ending at the end when you don't do nothing after it is a complete waste of time like i don't understand why you would do something like that right down in the passion pit where everything seems to fit uh <laughs> terrible chorus dude just a terrible chorus i mean is this lover boy trying to be sexy because it ain't working that's all i got to say about that so the chorus yeah bleh, the the solo meh the riff sounds like mario brothers when he goes underground right facts um and then the problem is like with this one the music goes nowhere there's no dynamics i think it would have would have had more punch if they changed the chords in the pre because it it's just stays the same all the way through and it, it just doesn't go anywhere if they change the chord progression under the under the pre-chorus you'd have a little bit more impact and it would be a little bit more catchy
Yeah, Stephen, this was the song to me that I could hear it 15 times and I would forget how it goes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I like it. <laughs> I, think it I think it's good pop. I do like the pre-chorus and oh. I think the chorus is simple but effective. I mean, what is a passion pit and what exactly is it going to fit? So I don't know, but apparently everybody gets a hit. Yeah. At the passion pit. And it's mm. all lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say this too. Uh, whoever wrote the lyrics really struggles on this record to make rhymes. <laughs> and they are just, I mean, I'll get to that in the next uh, couple songs. Here. I, I call that the Fraley principle. That's, that's what Ace, Ace struggles with that. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Ace struggles with saying his own name. Yeah, that's true, too. I think that sentence could have ended with Ace struggles. <laughs> there was something Stephen said earlier, and he said, I came out, and I was thinking the same thing. I go, you could just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Second to last song, One-Sided Love Affair. Again, great verses. Reno absolutely sounds so good on these type of songs. I, when it's catchy and it's got that chorus that's got you humming later, man, does Mike just absolutely kill these type of songs. Yeah, uh, for me, this one um, is really good. It's Turn Me Loose Part 2 in the verse, right? Um, the keyboards, again, are just, it's a little too much for me. Chorus is good. I think, again, it could have benefited for some from some uh, really good backing vocals. Another shit guitar solo. But I really like this song. And Stephen, for me, I was glad there was a guitar solo because if there would have been a synth solo in the middle of this thing, I think you would have took the rock out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like this song as well. I like the pre-chorus and I like the chorus. And for me, this is kind of, you were talking about Turn Me Loose Part 2. I, I didn't necessarily hear that, uh, but I wasn't listening for it either. I liken this one to being a much better version of It's Never Easy. Uh, so it's just maybe... Yeah, maybe a little bit more rocking than that one, but I like this tune. And then the last song on the record, Meltdown, I remember listening to a couple of weeks ago, uh-oh, the last one's becoming with a synth. Are we going to end with a thud? And then the guitar comes screeching in. I'm like, okay, maybe we'll be okay. Uh, in the end, Tony, we were not okay. No, we were not okay. 
This one's brutal. <laughs> I mean, he literally rhymes meltdown with breakdown, countdown, and shakedown. See? Ace. That's, that's the chorus. I mean, come on. Come on. It's, it, this one's not good. I'm sorry. This is not good. They could have left this one off and ended with a bang. <laughs> so, Stephen, I didn't love the song overall. I definitely didn't like the synth piece after the guitar solo. Like, I was like, just get this song over with. We don't need another synth piece in there. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, good. <laughs> no. Yeah. So oh, I like this one. Yeah. I don't dislike <laughs> this tune. I like the keyboard breaks. That was my specific note. I like the back and forth with the guitar and the keyboard. Uh, so this song was okay for me. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. All right, so that's the record. I want to get everybody's top two, bottom two, and final thought on the record. I'll start here. Top two for me was easy. Hot Girls in Love, Queen of the Broken Hearts. Those are the top two for me. Bottom two, it's never easy. I just didn't like that too much. And then Chance of a Lifetime. I was in love with that song. I would say overall, the album is rock. There's a lot of synth. I get it. And it's cool to shit on Loverboy. I get that too. But honestly, that's just kind of stupid because Loverboy has some really rocking tunes and you can hear some of it on here and it's okay to like Loverboy. And I'll say one other thing. So um, Stephen, it said it topped out at number seven. Here was the six albums that it could not beat. And you'll get a reason of why it was at number seven. Number six, Let's Dance by David Bowie. Number five, The Wild Heart by Stevie Nicks. That's the album that has Stand Back on it. Number four was Pyromania. Number three, Flashdance, the soundtrack. Number two, Thriller. Number one, Synchronicity. It ain't getting oh, past close. seven. <laughs> <laughs> they had no chance. Yeah, they had oh no chance. All right, so Tony, top two, bottom two, and kind of final thoughts? All right, th- this one again was pretty easy, like you said. Hot Girls in Love, Queen of the Broken Hearts, with an honorable mention of one-sided love affair for the top. Uh, bottom for me was Meltdown and Passion Pit. I just skipped. But overall, I do really like Loverboy. Like you said, they have some really great songs. It's rock. It's pop. It's accessible. It's accessible rock music, right? Super catchy stuff. You walk around humming that shit all day. Yeah. So overall, pretty decent record. Yeah. Steven, how about you? All right. So my top two are Strike Zone and Hot Girls in Love. And my bottom two is It's Never Easy and Meltdown. And for me, like I said, I grew up pretty much in high school as a Loverboy fan. Uh, I think that they've got a lot of accessible music, but they still have a good guitar edge on a lot of it, which works for me. Uh, this isn't probably, this definitely is not my fa- most favorite Loverboy record. Uh, but I think that it still has, uh, still has a bunch of good music on it. And it was a good listen 
for me to revisit this record. So I enjoyed going back and checking it out. All right. Now comes the fun part. Let's connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, we could have easily uh, went with Paul Dean does a cover of Paul Stanley's Sword and Stone. That's out there on YouTube. If you ever want to check it out, it's great. I wish you had picked that. Yeah, but I wanted to stick with the 1983 (laughs) theme, right? So Mm. that's Kisses Lick It Up. So we're going to stick with that. So here is an interesting take of the title track from 83's Lick It Up from an individual called Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad does some fun parodies along with some faith-based originals, but here is the Kiss parody from 2018's Highway to Heaven, and the song is called Lift Him Up. dude first of all where was this when we went to do the dang christian rock episode and number two i looked at this record on spotify and i was like what in the hell is going on here i had to check out the neon knights cover because i was like what does this sound like the neon knights cover actually wasn't too bad musically i kind of dug it but i don't know man this is just this is different man (laughs) come on tony did you even give it a chance I listened to it. I did. I did. Um, and I do like Christian rock, but uh, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was okay. It's fun. Actually, I mean, I'll give him credit. He's actually not a bad singer. Yeah. I mean, he did pretty good with it. And he, it's creative. You know, whatever. It is what it is. And it, and it you know, Team Jesus, my friend, to uh, quote Joey Casada. <laughs> he he <laughs> but, sounds uh, better on that Neon Knights cover if that's him singing on that. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. what he calls it. It's not Neon Knights. It's something else, but that's what it's a parody of. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting choice there, Sonny. Mm. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this record. So let's wrap this thing up and put it in the books for the month. Tony, thank you, my friend, for coming on here and helping us go through Lover Boys, Keep It Up, track by track. You the man. Thanks for bringing me back. I uh, I always have a good time going over these records with you guys. And after we get done recording, I'm gonna tell you what the two albums you missed out on because you could have went with the, f- the listener picks. 
But since you decided yeah. not to go there. No, it's okay. I mean, I like I said, I picked this one purposely because I didn't really know it. I just knew the, the two songs. And uh, I, I'm good with not knowing this record. <laughs> ah, come <laughs> so on. That, it wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't that bad. It, it's really not that bad. But it was cool because I didn't own it, which now I do. And so now I have some songs that I like. So that's cool. All right. Well, this one's in the books. Poonie, you got anything to add before we get up on out of here? Thanks for listening. Go check out Loverboy because you are not any less of a man or woman or anybody if you like Loverboy, Rick Springfield, Brian Adams, and John Cougar. It's okay. You can be okay who you are and love all those guys. That's right. Okay. Dig, dig what you want for music. It's okay. There is no wrong or right answer. Music is for everybody. Sonny's new shirt. It's okay to like lover boy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's it. We're wearing that one for sure. All right. Till next week. See ya. Later. Peace. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.